1: episode 147 jesus fucking christ of the terrible book club i'm paris who can't keep it together and this is chris
0: hi i'm barely keeping it together here as well and like i mean i understand paris like that's a big number yeah
1: i saw it in my we're brain we're approaching went, no.
0: 150 yeah
1: <laughs> Oh, it's so it's so many, and it's not like we do these twice a week or every week. This is every other week. So think about how long that's still been a happening. Lot.
0: Like <laughs> that's still really often, Paris. Like to, <laughs> to to be clear, to be doing this every two weeks is still taxing.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is, especially considering we both have to read an entire work every for every two weeks. Anyway, this time we read Ain't a Hero season one a web series by Brian W. Shooter. This was suggested to us by the author himself, who is also our patron. This is a free web series that you can find at ain't a hero.com. That is a I N T a H E R O.com. If this is your first time listening to the show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is we read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Uh, But sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend. So we typically do the opposite of what most people do when they are in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet looking for something to read. Usually, this experiment results in a hilarious and disappointing read, but once in a while, we do actually end up liking the book. Uh, for content warnings today, just our usual barnyard language today. Nothing, nothing crazy in
0: this one. Nothing Some, like yeah. violent, like RPG cartoon character violence, perhaps? Yeah, I guess. That's about it. All right. Well, I'm going to read the back of the book summary. I really actually just went with the summary that's on Goodreads because there's not really an Amazon page for this from what I saw. Mm. Um, and the header on the subreddit for Anahero was a little bit too short, so I just went with the Goodreads summary.
1: Alright, fair enough.
0: Seated in front of the television watching the news story about his brother's defeat against the Dark Lord, Bach ponders as to how it could have happened and can't believe that last bullshit attack. The ghostly visage of his brother agrees. The ghostly visage of his brother agrees. Bach gets thrown slash abducted back into the adventuring life by his now ethereal brother, along with his brother's old adventuring party, whether he immediately cares for it or not.
1: Dun, dun. All right. Uh, Chris, why don't you do the characters and the setting, and then I will read the summary that you wrote of our our experience of the plot points <laughs> to help everyone understand what's going on.
0: Okay. So as you gather, the main character, our protagonist, is Bach. And his brother, who is dead and a ghost, is Sebastian. Cute joke there, of course. <laughs> yes. Um, then we have Sebastian's entourage slash adventuring party. And here's where we get into <laughs> fantasy name pronunciation argument starring Chris in Paris, I'm <laughs> willing to bet.
1: I, yeah, I don't know. How did Yeah, let's hear it. Let's hear it. What do you think these okay, names are? Okay, so
0: we have Dretfi. Are you with yeah, me on that one? Yeah, okay. d-
1: Dretfi. No. I might say Dreffy because cramming all those consonants in there seems a little <laughs> absurd.
0: Not Dretfi? Okay, all right. No, Good.
1: dreffy. Drefi, I would say Drefi. I would roll the R. I don't okay. know why, but I would all do right. that.
0: <laughs> that does make it a little bit more interesting than Dretfi. Uh, then we have Sedida, which is how I always pronounced it.
1: <laughs> why did you hang on the double E?
0: I don't know. It just feels like I should say Sedida. Uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, Sedida is, yeah, yeah that's, basically that's, the same. Yeah,
0: That's really how it is then we have sotalia
1: sotalia yep
0: she is so tall yeah
1: she's so tall yo sotalia
0: also so uh my partner has a friend named Talia so mm. i envisioned this person as someone that was so tallia so i had to envision this character oh. as my uh, as rebecca's friend but That's like great. turned up and then we have aristespha
1: yeah i i that's another one where I'm like mm, too many consonants <laughs> like is that how you would say it Ar- Aristosfa or Aristospha? I, I would say Ar- i said ariistesspha in my head but is this I, the first
0: time we've agreed on every fantasy name pronunciation paris
1: yeah potentially
0: that's that's notable there's something remarkable about that i wonder I if
1: like how they came out of my mouth though they didn't feel good yeah i gotta say there's <laughs> yeah. a
0: real bad mouthfeel on yeah. these names and I, I guess that's a personal preference we'll get into that whole thing later um there's a rival adventuring crew who is currently on a reality tv show about adventuring that the I,
1: next adventurers of nexus is that the TV show.
0: i think sebastian's party was on before
1: i didn't catch that i didn't think they were maybe i don't know it it was a detail i i didn't store in my brain yeah, i was a
0: little unsure about that um anyway that crew is trekenthin deidre Tisalda, mordorin and chad
1: <laughs> great <laughs> gotta
0: throw a chad joke in there somewhere all the gotta, time gotta
1: do it i didn't even remember that so
0: Um, We have Samantha, a production manager, I think, for For the reality TV show that we just mentioned. Mm -hmm. There's Valavera, the teenage witch, who pops up in basically two chapters. And then we have Dark Lord Noxian, also known as Sir Not Appearing in this film. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't show up. He's mentioned a whole lot, but it's just nothing to do with anything, really. I mean, some part of him meddling is part of the plot, but... He's not here. He's, he doesn't show up at all. I don't even know what he looks like or is. Is he a man? Is he's he a, a monster? Lord.
1: He's a dark lord. Don't worry about it. That's that, that that's so
0: that could span so many doesn't matter. things. Okay, doesn't matter. fine. It's, all right, moving he's on. He's just he's <laughs>
1: just evil evil bad guy missed. That's all. That's <laughs> all. Amorphous oh, okay, so, amorphous so, evil bad guy. The last
0: boss of Final Fantasy Four. I get it.
1: Uh right. So uh now that we've, you know, touched on some of the characters, uh I guess we didn't really talk about the setting, but the setting is just nexus right amaranth as the city
0: it, it's just
1: is it just earth like, fantasy earth
0: yeah like fantasy vaguely earth. post-apocalyptic kind of they're he's doing the mixed fantasy and normal tech thing here but also sci-fi so there's like swords and shields and magic but also humvees but also laser pistols yeah so yeah. just throw all that together cook yeah, for, there. like, I don't know, a couple of months and see what comes out. <laughs>
1: it's all there. Uh, yeah, so just so you all get a sense of the basic plot points and what the story was like without having to read all of it, we've we've written for you, or I should say Chris has written for you this summary. Uh, so let's let's get going with that. <clears throat> Bach is just your average guy, sitting on the couch watching his chosen one brother, Sebastian, get murked by Torklord. Thorklo- what? <laughs>
0: I would actually love (laughs) to read a fantasy novel that had a dork lord Uh, instead of a dark lord. I'm just saying that right here.
1: I agree with you. Uh, Well, sorry. My brain just decided it was dork lord. Uh, I'm just going to stick with it. The dork lord Noxian uh, on the news. That's when Sebastian's ghost shows up with his adventuring party to recruit him into the party so they can resurrect Sebastian by plunging the sword he is ethereally bound to into uh, the dork lord Noxian's heart. The party immediately drops this quest in favor of doing run-of-the-mill mercenary work, like checking out an abandoned compound. It's full of cyber-zombies, good thing that Bach, despite having an encounter with a nightmare geist years ago that robbed him of his ability to use magic, can actually still use magic, but better than everyone else, because he's just that good. What follows is the loop of the story. The party does some RPG characters at home stuff, like watch TV, or go shopping, or eat popcorn, or have magic training sessions, or wear comfy clothes around the house, and then does a mission at probably an abandoned compound. There's a lot of them lying around, I guess. We're introduced to Aristesfa, an Evukian, elf? Healer, with leadership skills, who's dating Sebastian, Drethvi a Wrath, orc? Brute, who's a soldier warrior class, Soltalia, a half-Emmin, I don't know, mage, with a hoarding streak, and Sadita, a volian cat girl with the tech specialty. Meanwhile, an adventuring reality show is somehow always being filmed nearby with another party of five who are on the quest to kill Dork Lord Noxian. They show up mostly to annoy the main party, although. I don't really 100% get why the main party hates this crew besides the fact that they took their spot on the TV show. Maybe? Is it jealousy? Who knows? The producers of the show seem to be guiding the main party along through underhanded means for viewership numbers, so I'm assuming this is the overarching plot point that ties multiple seasons together. Anyway, they run into a big robot enemy with a minigun, laser cannon, and great sensors at one of those abandoned compounds, except Lord Noxian was there for some reason, so it's more important now. The mech is a tough fight, but everyone pulls together, and Bach does a special magic, so robot go boom. The party returns to their hideout. It's just an Airbnb to lick their wounds, but oh no, the other party moved in next door. The end. Alright, does that does that about cover everything, Chris?
0: I feel like it. I, I mean, did you notice anything that was left out of there? I guess I didn't mention the whole Valavera thing. She's just some teenage witch in a forest in the mission they go on. She's like kind of taken over it a little bit, but not really because she's inept. And Aristophanes knows her somehow, and they they just take her back and like deposit her off with her uncle or something like. Yeah, that's...
1: they're like they're like distant cousins or something. I don't quite remember. It honestly didn't feel like it mattered at all. So I don't know. Uh, anyway, let's uh,
0: let's talk about the things that were good. Sure. I mean, I would say the strong point of this. Web serial, I suppose, is the best way to put it. We mm-hmm. read the first 13 chapters because that's packaged into one season. Right. There are eight seasons of this thus far, so it is a lengthy work, you could say. And we were not going to read eight. We, it, it just wasn't going to happen. So we called season one book one, and we went with that. And I would say the strong point for it has been the dialogue generally feels somewhat realistic i would say there are some points that i would maybe put points against it but the general feel of it is perhaps the most readable thing about this
1: yeah small actually just small correction there there are 10 seasons of this not oh, 8 oh th- okay, um, which, god but yeah there's another yet yet more reason as to why we just read one season yeah i think the dialogue feels it feels realistic and appropriate most of the time people talk like people even in this like weird kind of apocalyptic fantasy setting um yeah I I was the thing I was like oh this is this the dialogue is decent I can get I could this sounds like people talking to people this is good (laughs) that's that's about all I got um I guess I can read some selections okay so in chapter four there's this little interaction between everybody and Bach because his cell phone is like so old (laughs) Sebastian finally turns to Bach As for you, Bok, I figured you could tag along with Sedita and- He lunges his head forward to stare intensely at the old flip ether phone Bok holds in his hands. Sebastian reflexively laughs at seeing the old device. (laughs) Holy shit, and get you a new phone. Speaking of a fucking relic, is that the same one you had in school? Bok defensively darts his head around and quickly realizes the attention towards his old phone. Yeah, what about it? It still works just fine. Sebastian raises his hands up and attempts to calm Bok. Hey now, no, no judging here. I'm gonna hook you up, bro. Sidita, can you get this man a proper phone? Sidita momentarily flicks her eyes into the rearview mirror with her signature toothy grin. Will do. I saw one or two places that she carried decent phones. Satalia spins completely around in her seat and peeks over the headrest at Bach. Her eyes widen and she smirks. Her hand whips out and snatches the phone right out of Bach's hand. Oh, let me see. Bach blinks at the sudden loss of his phone. Sandra has to reach around the front seat after it. Satalia slaps a hand underneath her seat and pulls a bar up. She slides her seat forward and mostly out of range of Bach's effective arm reach. I've haven't- Ooh, that's a typo in the text. I haven't seen one of these since graduate school. Does it have any of the good games on it? Box settles back down and crosses his arms, accepting defeat and remembering which way Satalia's horns point. A few. I'd like my phone back, please. Satalia playfully sighs and rolls her eyes. Okay, here you go.
0: Okay, yeah, that was pretty decent, I would say. Here's another part around Chapter 6 having to do with um, basically some medical stuff that some party members are performing on some people that they have rescued. Batalia sits nearby, lightly applying the last strip along a middle-aged man's side. The side of his chest is heavily bruised and sore. He groans and grumbles with each unintentional move that causes pain. Sotalya reaches into a belt pouch and pulls out a small vial of blue liquid. Now drink this. The man eyes the vial with suspicion and furrows his brow at Sotalya. What's it do? Sotalya quirks an eyebrow back and holds it closer to the man's face. Oh, you know, prevents you from experiencing tremendous amounts of pain when the brace strips I put on you activate and move your broken ribs away from your internal organs. The man glares at the vial again. Sitalia rolls her eyes and sighs. It's blue raspberry flavored, if that helps, Mr. Harris. Harris twists his mouth and takes hold of the vial, like the slushies at the convenience store. Natalia nods. Harris twist opens the top and pours the solution into his mouth, tilting his head back. He swallows and gives a nod of approval at Natalia. Not bad. So what's next? Natalia grins and presses her hand on the side of Harris. This. Harris's eyes widen as the strips glow and a few ribs shift slightly underneath his skin in the strips. He checks his side gently, pokes the bruises, and lifts his intrigued expression to Satalia. Man, that is such a fucked up feeling. Satalia applies a cover pad over the strips and laughs with Harris. I know, I've used these a few times and I never get used to that.
1: Yeah, thank you, Chris. So, yeah, there's plenty of exchanges like that that, <clears throat> you know, kind of make the make the dialogue feel real and not, you know. Not cardboard cutouty. There's
0: like a little a life there, right? Like yeah, the, right. The slushies at the convenience store things because that's a, something the guy likes. The little joke about blue raspberry flavored, and in your example, kind of poking fun at someone with an old phone.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the use of cursing, you know, the swears in it makes sense. Like it, they're used to show that people are. You know, speaking like regular people do and are being casual, and that's fine. I don't. I what? Sl-
0: I slightly disagree on some of that. In some portions of, like, not in the scenes that we read there, that is appropriate use of it. But other times, I feel like some of the cursing is used to make it seem like someone is cool for cursing because they're a cool person that swears.
1: Oh, that's weird. I didn't get that sense at all in this
0: it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly when but i feel like it's when they're trying to do like action hero stuff or someone's like overexcited they're like what the fuck you fucking motherfucker like it just like there's a lot of them in a row and i feel like it turns into this thing where it's just like well he's just trying to act cool because cool people swear
1: Hmm. i don't know i guess i didn't it didn't uh hit me quite the same way
0: as a tangent to this paris i have a question Mm -hmm. for you yeah how old were you would you say when you stopped thinking that hearing someone swearing was cool? Cuz I feel like when I was like somewhere between like 7 to 12 perhaps I thought like oh that person said fuck that means that they're cool and they don't care about what people think. And then after 12 I found it immature.
1: Uh I never thought that. <laughs> <laughs> I never I never really cared about people that swore or didn't swear i don't have any memory of like giving a shit about this at all so
0: <laughs> i have a clear memory of like that's funny of a portion of my boyhood in which it was like well they said fuck and therefore that's hilarious a cool guy
1: <laughs> i think i just grew up around people who swore constantly so it never registered with me that that it i don't know that it really mattered i mean i knew well enough not to swear in school but you know at home It's constant swearing, so... (laughs) Maybe I
0: just wasn't exposed to quite enough of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, Right, so moving on, Pest of the Dialogue was decent. Um, Honestly, I think one of the redeeming qualities about this is that it's just pure adventure stuff without any weird racist, sexist, bizarro shit. So far, there's no real romance... Even though there are two characters who are dating, it's not the main focus of anything. We don't spend a lot of time on it. And there's also no, like, weird capitalist slavering (laughs) that's happening here. Like, no one's foaming at the mouth for, for like, oh, capitalism, good, you know? Like, that's not really, which is
0: sadly
1: (laughs) common in these sorts of things.
0: Yeah, like, I... I know what you mean, Paris. Like, there's not this weird undercurrent of trying to push the values that capitalism wants us to value.
1: Right. We're not pulling up by bootstraps. We're not, you know, we're not focusing on that.
0: At the same time, big crux of the story here is the capitalization. I suppose that's not the right word to use, but the capitalization of adventuring because it's on reality TV and, like, is therefore very commodified in a way. Yeah, yeah. But I, I, that's to be funny, right? Like, that's to be poked fun at. Which yeah, and is... I don't
1: and I don't know that anyone's, like, super stoked about the state of the world. It's just, it is what it is, right?
0: Sure. And I think, I, I keep pointing back to this example because I just really love this book, but, like, Orcanonics. Really great example of, like, parodying that, like, capitalist fetish for commodification of things and twining that up with, like, an adventurer world. I think it was just really well done. This story also did that pretty decently. I was actually more intrigued by the like reality show stuff and like what was going on with that producer more than pretty much anything else in the story. So it was a shame that we didn't get too much of that.
1: Yeah. I mean, this, you know, this is a web series. I mean, at this point you go into it knowing there's, you know, another nine seasons and, and growing. So yeah, conceivably, that, that we doesn't... get more
0: into that later, right?
1: Yeah, and I don't think it was like too. It didn't. It didn't do too much of like a oh, the cliffhanger. Now you must buy the second book. Like I didn't feel too trapped um, at the
0: end. <laughs> <laughs> is that how cliffhangers I mean... make you feel?
1: Yeah, trapped.
0: Coerced. That's Coerced. what a cliffhanger is. <sighs>
1: oh, um... uh,
0: I would also say that the fight scenes are legible. Right? Like, you know what's going on where they're not confusingly written. It's very clear. Um, This story kind of has a very matter-of-fact way of writing things sometimes, which often can be to its detriment, which we will get to later on. But in the fight scenes, I think it actually works for it quite Mm -hmm. a bit. It's very clear who's performing what action. It's not too flowery about it. It just kind of really gives you a good idea of positioning and who's doing what kind of maneuver without making it too overcomplicated. And I actually think sort of the way that um, the teamwork is set up in the combat scenes mm-hmm. is pretty well done, too. Uh, even though usually usually it ends with Bach doing a special magic thing that saves yeah, everybody, yeah. up until that moment, it, there's a good balance of why all these people are in the party, which is, yeah. Yeah, sure. we, like, you know, for something that is explicitly, I think, trying to be... Aping this sort of RPG like specifically like video game slash D&D adventuring party kind of thing um, it does a pretty good job of making sure all those characters have something to be doing or yeah something to do in these fight scenes I don't know so we've I've mentioned before my light hypothesis that perhaps writing a good fight scene is much akin to writing a good sex scene i don't know <laughs> how this stacks up against that i feel like this is making me have to go back to the drawing board of my hypothesis because i don't know if like i would enjoy a sex scene that was written this way too because that would be very clinical <laughs> and i don't think that like unless yeah. there's something that has to be clinical about the fuck scene for some reason like
1: yeah, only if it's, like, a medical fetish scene, perhaps. You know? like... Or, like,
0: there is some sex happening with some non-human entity where I really need to know exactly which yeah. <laughs> which fourth arm or tentacle right. or appendage is going somewhere. Yeah, how does I, the uh,
1: cloud work in this scene? Where does the mist come into play?
0: I'm very yeah. confused. Please please elaborate.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with all that. Um, my, my last thing that I thought I liked that I thought was like novel was, um, a couple of the ideas that the author put into the world to make it a little different from ours. And I thought it was clever. There was this idea that the, that, um, magic is, it seems like it's sort of, it's like a mix of biological, but you also have to work at it. And then sometimes you can interact like your body's chemistry can interact with some kind of other, you know, chemical or substance and that can also produce magic. And I think the the coolest way this is demonstrated is some magical ink. Right, so at one point they are in this, like, nerd geek store or whatever, you know, where you go to get, like, gaming stuff and your fucking Pokachu cards or whatever. <laughs> uh, and, uh, um Bach notices that the proprietor is struggling with some magical ink he's trying to use with a spell book. And Bach is like, oh, I just think the pH is off. Like, do you have a little lime and salt? And basically, like, fixes it so that uh, the pH is balanced. And then it works better. And then he, like, teaches the guy some other tips and tricks or whatever. But I just thought the idea of... Balancing the chemistry of a magical ink was kind of fun. Um, And then the, the, like, magical advanced first aid was also cool. Like, the scene Chris talked about earlier with the, like, the rib displacement strips or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I agree that those are neat ideas. (laughs) And I've always liked the blending of magic with scientific method, let's say. Because I... One thing I always have against like magic schools in any of the like video games or some fantasy series like this is it's always it's not like I need the Harry Potter classroom scene. But at the same time, I feel like there's a neglect of the sort of researcher slash scientific aspect of magicians and mages or sorcerers and what have you. So I think bringing in this element of like, oh, there's like a chemical explanation for this thing is kind of neat.
1: Yeah, I agree. All right. Uh do we have any other good things, or do you want to move into things that we did not like so much?
0: Um, I think perhaps things that we did not like is it's time for that.
1: Alright, so right right at the top of the hour for the things that were bad. Uh <laughs> you know, I've got I've always gotta to come to you with my nitpicking technical errors and oh boy, howdy. Surprising number of dropped words and sentences. So There are lots of missing to, the, a, like a lot of articles and like connecting words that are just, that have just vanished. They have been sucked away by the dork lord Noxian who (laughs) hates. That's how he survives. That's how he gains his power.
0: (laughs) Every article that you missed is just feeding him. He's ever stronger. Yes.
1: Um, Similarly, a lot of dropped S's on plurals word order issues, word confusions. We have things like silent instead of silence or home instead of hone. I mean, a lo- s- several times where you have things like that happen. And then lastly like an overattachment to the verb puzzles or puzzled or puzzle for someone just thinking about something or or being quizzical. I mean, it it comes up so often. <laughs> In this, you know, I don't know, 10, 13 chapters, but it's not terribly long. So it really stuck out to me.
0: Can I add crooking of the corner of the mouth to this list and mouth corners in general being yeah, very yeah, high that's... priority to let me mm-hmm. know exactly where the corners of a person's mouth are?
1: Yeah. Um, and so similar, this is, it flows naturally from that point, we've got a lot of like awkward descriptions. So like Chris just said, Everyone is always pulling or drawing their smiles or facial expressions. Um, this this one really, this example really got me. Bach holds his hands up and pulls his mouth to a corner, which just reads like he's literally pulling the sides of his mouth up with his hands. Like that which scene is not in the Joker
0: where he's just yeah, trying to like right. humanly emote as much as he can. So he's just yanking his cheeks backward. Which yeah.
1: yeah just a lot of that everyone's always pulling or drawing their smiles and everyone's lips are moving into corners. I don't know. It was just a really awkward way to describe facial expressions. And I yeah, there's other things we uh... can focus
0: on the eyes here and there, perhaps just the overall general demeanor of the face or like it, it's very mouth focused oral fixation happening. Here.
1: Yeah. It just, it, it, felt very wooden and again this this sort of gave you like a uh uh-oh is the author an alien feel um because why would you be focusing on those things uh and in terms of other awkward descriptions we have these other examples dretfi leans herself up with head next to sotalia's to read the writing too
0: so that with head there (laughs) is i i i get that he's trying to say he's Gretfi is putting her head next to Sotalia's leans, leans herself up, up with, with head. Leans herself up with head. Okay, so a couple of things could be happening here. It's a very head forward sort of lean where like you're, the head <laughs> is leaning or somehow the head is dragging the rest of the body along. Yeah. There's also perhaps the Dretfi is receiving head as this is happening no, which as far as no. I know from the context wasn't the case here but like Oh god. I don't I mean like the the with head there is is very awkward you could actually just drop that entirely and it would be better or even
1: the leans herself up part it, that construction is very strange and it it leads to the reader then being confused about what the sentence is saying, rather right, than leaning enjoying. Because is
0: is like a side to side thing, right? And if I, I think Dreftie was on a couch and sitting up was what was happening here, which I is dude, different I have no idea. from a lean. <laughs> okay, Paris, would you ever would you ever consider a vertical motion a lean?
1: What? No, Chris. That no, and that's also not what was happening. <laughs> they were. I think. I think. They were either sitting on a couch together, and she she just wanted to like nudge over so she could see the writing, or they were standing near each other, and they wanted she just wanted to get close to see the writing. But I don't know it. Oh, it's, so very it's, the, it's
0: the up that confused me. I thought there was a physical up direction instead of yeah, like this is what I mean. The whole sid- thing needs to be thrown to <laughs> yes. the garbage. It so doesn't it, make so sense. it's like you're sidling up on someone. That kind of up, not yeah, physically. Okay, I... yes. So why, why wouldn't issue. it just
1: say, why wouldn't it just say Dretfi leans against Atalia to read the writing?
0: I don't know. That's that all they're, they're trying to, to say.
1: Uh, here's another one. He tries to catch a glimpse of Aristespa's face as she properly walks to a chair across from Bach. There, there's a lot of this the properly used, this adverb several times to describe people walking or sitting. Prop- it's like, I don't that doesn't make why
0: it's supposed <laughs> to be like poshness like as if so. someone is ve- I, that's no. what i think it's supposed to be is like very good posture or something and then there's well then
1: there's this great this great one sedita finishes crewing down a large piece of jerky and taps otalia on the shoulder laughs,
0: <laughs> what you ever get tapped on your shoulder laughs paris you know, that key part of the human body.
1: Yeah, what about crewing down a large piece of jerky? Mmm, crewing. Really, you're uh, just rowing, just I rowing mean, with 10 you, other people. Like,
0: <laughs> like, there's jerky. some jerkies out, Paris, there are some jerkies out there that really do feel like I need a whole team to just mm. get them chewed up. Fair I enough. Mean, you probably maybe. actually haven't had jerky in, I don't know, decades, so.
1: Yeah, a very long time. Yeah, so again, so you just have a lot of these little mistakes that are so constant that it really takes you out of the story. So and it's not like any of these things are a death sentence, right? These could all be fixed with an editor, like pretty easily. You just just need another set of eyes on this thing. And and I that's... guess
0: we can cross our fingers that in 10 seasons, this did improve.
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess we don't know. Uh, we've also got some... Uh, uh, we've got an Unnecessary Lingering, uh, where we... We are, uh, we're idling on little details that don't matter over by the 10-yard uh, line. Uh, it seems like player thinks this is a screenplay instead of a novel. Um, red flag.
0: <laughs> boy, oh boy, Paris, this is the fundamental problem I have with yeah, this. This is the me. absolute crucible by which I was cast into to <laughs> try to come. Paris, let me ask you something. We yes. didn't, we took a break. Before we read this,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I had an Ain't a Hero tab open on my phone <laughs> for months.
1: Yeah, I did too on my computer.
0: Four yeah. months because it was. Stuff like this made it a slog to want to get through. I had this open. Like, I was like, when I went to Scotland for a week, I was oh, like, God. I can. Oh, yeah, that was a while ago. I, I can. I can read this, like, on the plane. I have six hours each way. I got to do something over there. I would get through, like, th- four paragraphs, and then they were talking about the specific <laughs> shirt someone was wearing and what color it was, which, at, fine, the first time you're setting the scene, but, like, on the fifth or sixth time you're setting the scene with how comfy they are in their <laughs> shorts and tank tops that were blue and or whatever, like, I... Mm. Chris,
1: and then you were like, you were like, you know what? I have, I'm literally trapped on a, a, a flying metal tube. I have nothing else to do. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna look out the window. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep. I fucking watched Sonic
0: the Hedgehog two on the Inflate no. movie. <laughs> no. Which, by the way, I also didn't finish. So really, I was just an a hellscape of like starting things up and just deciding this isn't worth it.
1: Chris, that is. God that feels so insulting. I can't <laughs> believe oh that's a choice. I don't think I would have made that choice.
0: I also got 40 minutes into licorice pizza and also decided I was a little bit uncomfortable so I stopped.
1: Oh, I have no interest in movies like I don't even know. It just looked like a girl and boy in love coming of age movie and I was like no thanks. It you.
0: had the guitar player from Heim as the main uh, female character so I wanted to watch it because of that.
1: I don't even know what Haim is.
0: Very good band.
1: All right. Well, anyway, returning to the unnecessary lingering. Yes. So unnecessary lingering is where, where you have an author just hanging out on these little details that do not fucking matter. And to be clear, so people don't erupt in foamy, <laughs> frothy fury at us. It's it's great, actually, when, when an author lingers on tiny details that matter. To the plot that that make the plot or even just set a scene
0: or like an right. emotional
1: subtext right yeah that's great but this is not what we're talking about here we have instead things like this bach watches threadfee step through the doorway and close the door he stands up from the bed and moves over to the clothes stack he sorts through the pile until he finds a shirt peels off his old shirt and works into the clean shirt bach resumes a seat on the bed after a few minutes of idle but deep thoughts, he plays around with the settings of the alarm clock, trying to get it set up for tomorrow. Just that.
0: What in God's like name times. could this pre- <laughs> What in God's name could this add that he put on the shirt from the clothes pile and then he sat there with deep but idle thoughts? Why aren't we getting those deep but idle thoughts like what is right, happening in yeah. there?
1: Yeah, and it would be and it would be more meaningful if we were in his internal monologue, hearing those deep but idle thoughts, while he was futzing with the alarm clock and like talking about how, oh, I not like. I guess when I'm done setting up this alarm clock, that means I really have to think about tomorrow. Like anything like that would have worked, but you're not, you're not connecting anything. You're just telling us about these things that don't. This is just a, like a
0: chores scene or something.
1: Yeah. You know what else really struggled with this? That um, that. Oh, that, like, Pokemon book. What was that called?
0: Emblem Unity.
1: Yeah, that one. And, I mean, we've read a few things that have that have kind of had this problem. So I guess the whole point is, like, if this isn't a screenplay, you don't need to tell us where every character is, what they're wearing, these little mundane things. And I know that this is supposed to be, like, a slice of life, but I still just don't think I need to hear about every door opening and every, like, piece of pie being sliced (laughs) or whatever. So I think
0: this is done in the name of realism. Like, oh, it's so realistic. We're getting into the reality with all these small details. But, like, another scene that pops up here is this fucking painstaking popcorn, (laughs) like, distribution scene that happens where they're just chilling out watching TV, and it makes sure to tell you, who got how much popcorn in mm-hmm. what bowl and what the toppings were and who handed it to them and where they put the bowl. And it's not like anyone has, there's no emotional weight to the popcorn having. It's not like anyone like Bach is having a thought about like, wow, this team is so tight knit and they can enjoy like a movie together. And or the, the salt of this popcorn reminds me of the salty shores by which I was raised upon or my old popcorn master once taught me how to pop popcorn (laughs) in the best, like nothing there to like Uh... add the weight to this. And this is detail work is good. When there's a reason for us to be looking at that detail. There is, we had a brief little chat about this before we started Paris, but yeah, the writer's duty is to point your focus at things that have relevance to the plot or the emotional subtext that you're trying to paint here. And you can do that with all these things. Like, I'm not saying never talk about popcorn or, like, you know, an adventuring party hanging out or anything, but you need to be pulling details and th- subtext out of these things that you need to be thinking about to make us care about why that's happening. So, for example, Paris, I can see you on screen here because we're on our video chat here as we're talking and i could be mm-hmm. very clinically describe that you are sitting there with a microphone in front of you and there's a bookcase behind you um and it's raining outside and there's like some i don't know what's actually on top of that bookcase behind you it looks like some stained glass things Same,
1: stained glass windows from a church
0: okay so i could do that or i could say like you know start talking about how the bookcase is full of all bo- these books that you've read, both terrible and good, moments you've shared with friends, discussions that you've had with people. The rain outside reminds you of, I don't know, some time that you it was raining before that has some emotional weight for you. The stained glass uh, decorations up on top of the bookshelf are there because they were a gift or something that your partner you know, brought to your place or gave to you or something. Like, right, there's, there's little emotional pulls that we can add to that instead of just saying well there's some stained glass on top of the bookshelf well there's yeah, some books or, on the bookshelf
1: right like or if it just had anything at all to fucking do with the scene <laughs> the point of the scene like i don't know if if the point of these scenes is just fucking rpg characters doing laundry then i'm out I'm yeah out. I, really... I don't care
0: <laughs> Like, at best, the RPG characters at home thing works as perhaps a cute series of drawings that someone does, right? Like, you see, like, you know, someone draws a cute little knight or, like, soldier character and they're folding their laundry. And that's, like, a cute little thing you can hang up on your wall. It works in that medium, but not here, I would say.
1: Yeah, you're forcing my eyes and my brain through so much (laughs) to get so little. Whereas a drawing, I can look at and process in mere seconds. But these paragraphs about, you know, drinking an energy drink and wearing shorts and getting gas. I just fucking Christ. I just do not care. Or, you know,
0: how about opportunities where details could have been enhancing the mood? There is one scene after the big robot fight where there's a line that goes larger bits of the robot were in new, interesting locations. Missed opportunity for some funnies there, if you talk about, like, some comical... Because there was actually a lot of other comedy happening in mm-hmm. that scene. And so, like, why not be like, oh, the robot's, like, left arm is dangling off of, like, a street lamp or something. And it, like, falls and plugs down into the earth. Or one bit of leg is wedged into a window that is a good mile away or something right, the, the like that. The
1: ass panel is hanging off yes. and it's funny. Like, yes, anything.
0: for some reason, the robot has a pair of underwear underneath it because it does have like muscles under there. I don't know.
1: Right. Right. Something
0: yeah. like that. Later on, um, there is sort of a haggling moment between mm-hmm. Sadida and a merchant. And there's a line that's like, the two engage in a struggle of value, each debating the validity of the other's proposal with a new value.
1: Wow, way to drain all of the purpose and interest out of that scene.
0: We could have characterized (laughs) Sadita more based on how she talks about proposing those values. Whether she is like, is she a little lightly aggressive? Is she like actually kind of mean about it? Does she joke around with him to try to put him at ease? what's the flavor of this negotiation? That's an opportunity for me to get a little bit more of Sadida's character. And that was happening in this scene, to be clear, because we do get to see her, like, kind of jump at the opportunity to do this, which the rest of the party, you know, doesn't really mm. care about as much, though. So it's there. The bed is there. So sow that seed a little bit more. Water the plants. Yeah, all these all these farming
1: and agriculture metaphors that we're getting wrong. All those. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I agree. And instead of just stating... They engage in a struggle of value, debating. Why don't we just walk in with Sunita going ten and him going seven and her going seven fifty? Like that would have been so much more compelling.
0: Why did to you just walk over in that? and see
1: people like getting into it over, you know, like ah, yeah, I don't know. Um so I think overall it, this this thing, this particular thing about this that was a problem is that we have a focus on details that Don't really add much to the flavor of the story. Um, And in turn, you end up missing opportunities to focus on details that would add to the flavor of the story and make it more interesting. All right. Moving on. I think, um, for me, a big thing I really didn't like about this is that it's the same old hero's journey stuff. We've got regular guy, secretly really powerful and called upon to face seemingly unbeatable foe, complete impossible task. You know, there's unrealistic coincidences that facilitate everything working out perfectly, etc. I just like, I can't, I can't fucking read another story like this. I can't do it. It's... can't.
0: It is very played out. And, you know, as, you know, part of this is the fact that you and I read a lot of fantasy novel material, although the hero's journey is absolutely not only in that realm of things. It's in sci fi. It's, it's, yeah, it stretches back centuries, <laughs> millennia, right? Like, mm-hmm. so I have to ask Paris just to, again, make, check ourselves here. Are we railing against just plot structure? Like, you know, except. Accepted... No, and we've had
1: this discussion before. We don't need to have it again. <laughs> I, we do not need to talk about this again. I, the problem is Even that... Even this
0: conversation is played out.
1: Yes, we have had this conversation before. Um, and I just... I don't think we need to have it again. If people are confused about it, I don't know. It's fucking too bad. <laughs> I, just, I think... <laughs> I mean, the, I can sum it up as the hero's journey is extremely predictable and I find predictable things boring. I know some people find them comforting, but they are a fucking bore to me. I do not need to waste my time reading a story that I know the ending of. <laughs> And I know all the points that are going to happen and I'm, why do I need to read that?
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was trying to start that up again just to seem, you know, again, (laughs) but like, yeah, we have had this conversation many times and, we're not saying you have to throw the whole thing out in the trash and try to start with, like, you know, you've invented a completely new plot structure out of thin air, but just, like, twist it a little bit more or just make it not so predictable. Oh, no, I am so saying that. No, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> You're,
1: let's make let's be let's be distinct here. I am saying throw it all on a fire. Chris is saying, meh. <laughs> Maybe it's not. Be
0: something. I mean, like, I'm just so over, like, here's the main guy who is so good at things because he just is. And I know we get a lot of, like, training montage happening here, but they're all just fawning over how Bach is so good and cool at creating this new way of casting magic. But we you know, we get a little bit of how he, you know, was able to tease that out because he was just kind of lazy and he just needed, like, magical dishes or something like that. But, like, I don't know, put some weight on that. Like, make it a struggle for him. We we come in it way later where it's not a struggle at all so why am i invested there's no conflict there's no no reason for me th- we're even missing that part of the hero's journey right where there's a struggle of training
1: well he is kind of struggling with his like in terms of physical training and um he is still trying to get his magic you know to the point where it's powerful enough at least or like powerful enough uh in a long-term sense cuz right now he like does something and then he has to recharge, and it kind of takes a while or whatever. But anyway, point being, I'm just I'm just not into this kind of this kind of uh, thing.
0: Yeah, we've done it enough.
1: Yeah. Um, similarly, at first I was pretty excited because the chapter one is actually like immediate action, and I was like, oh cool, this is I'm gonna I'm not gonna have to like slog through a bunch of preamble. But little did I know that the the rest. The rest of the chapters are all just preamble. It's all just, like, (laughs) the training camp. And, like, yeah, I guess they have, you know, they have their little zombie, cyber zombie encounter or whatever. But I just, I don't know. It just felt like being in the tutorial of a video game for, like, 11 chapters. And then even the two chapters that had stuff going on, I was like, I don't care. I don't know. It This was not, it didn't hold my attention.
0: I mean, like, because... What I what we mentioned at the top, where they're like, we are on this quest to revive Sebastian, your brother. We have mm-hmm. to get to the Dark Lord Noxian and plunge the sword that he is ethereally bound to into in his heart. Ah, oh, let's just go do some grunt work for a like I don't know an indeterminate amount of time. They're like renting Airbnb's out and like just chilling for a while. Like so, well,
1: I think I think the I think this is part of it. They have to get Bach up to speed and trained and like in better shape and. They need to see that he's able to work with the group. So sorry to shoot you down there, but I think... Um, I just I didn't get the sense are... that that's
0: what they were working towards.
1: Yeah, it you do immediately lose that sense of urgency. That's for sure. It doesn't feel like it's urgent for them to, you know, fix Sebastian's... Seb- he seems state. fine.
0: Like, he's do- like, aside from not having a physical body...
1: Yeah, I mean I feel like he really he and Arasess would just really want to bang, right? Like that's the whole
0: He's not even like they're not he's not even like that emotionally torn up about it, right? No. We don't no. get a scene where he's like I wish I could touch her.
1: Yeah, it would be way more effective if we felt like him being in the sword was actually bad. In fact, him being a sword ghost is actually really good for them because he can like go through walls and like check on enemies and stuff and and be sort of a um what's the word I'm looking for? Uh like a out. Distraction and st- yeah, distraction or scout. So, yeah, I'm not convinced that <laughs> I'm just not convinced that this mission matters or that I should care about it. Um Similarly, I'm all the species in this just feel like renamed versions of extant ones, like Evukians or elves, folians or cat people, Graphs or orcs. I guess I don't really know what the half Emen is, but I'm gonna assume like a halfling or something, but I'm not sure. And it's just, I don't know, man. I just, I don't, I don't care.
0: Is the familiarity, <laughs> like you mentioned before, it's comforting for some people and yes. that makes it yeah. like, you know, again, I think there's this cutesy aspect of RPG characters at home being sort of a major draw of this thing because at, I mentioned the subreddit before and at the top of the subreddit, it, it specifically builds itself as like a slight, like taking cues from slice of life animes and oh. now I haven't watched that kind of anime ever, I think. Me neither. But my the impression that I no get idea. from what I hear about those kinds of things is that those animes they are the they the ones that excel at it are the ones that put a lot of emotional subtext and weight on everyday things. Like mm-hmm. that action of putting on a shirt perhaps it was like your bro- older brother's shirt and he died or he moved away or something or You know, this pizza that you're making is an old pizza recipe passed down from you through generations, and if you don't make it right for the governor that's coming through, you won't be able to keep your pizza business going. You know, like, there's all these, like, tangled things that make these little tiny casual moments more weighty, and that's just not happening here. And so when we get, like... Especially in with these, like, fantasy races happening, like, I, I don't understand why why bother coming up with a different name if it's just the same thing? If it's just the same thing, just call him an orc.
1: Yeah. Hey, remember when I thought this one being trapped in a sword was a cool new concept when I was reading uh, the first Malazan book, and you were like, Paris, this is one of the most overused tropes ever. Um, And now I think I've actually seen it in like four (laughs) things, including this story. Um, Yeah.
0: yeah, I, I mean, it's... It definitely pops up in a lot of things, but I think You this know, is... yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. I was going to say, you know what would be great is if, instead of Sebastian being trapped in a sword, why couldn't he be, like, trapped in something fucking hilarious, like Aristespa's vibrator, or, like, a spoon, a toaster. Give me anything that isn't a melee weapon.
0: <laughs> I, su- I guess I suppose it would have had to have been, like, some real weird thing happening during the confrontation with Darkhawk if he got trapped in the vibrator. Like, how did that get anywhere near the
1: Maybe they were having their final showdown in Aris Despa's room. I don't think it's that weird.
0: Okay, all right, sure. That would also be kind of funny.
1: Anyway, sorry. That was supposed to be a dumb, intentionally dumb No, example, I, I understand it's funny, but I think
0: just, this we can spool this off into, like, what ways can we twist this trapped in a sword trope? Like you said, anything but a melee weapon is yeah. fine. Or even a different melee weapon, right? <laughs> like, just
1: yeah,
0: like, a, a, a mace. A hammer. A hammer?
1: No, I still think it needs to be something totally batshit, like a knitting needle or something, you know, <laughs> just something stupid. like A sock? Fuck? A sock, yeah, trapped in a sock.
0: How about trapped even, in a sock? like, what if it, instead of being trapped, and I know this wouldn't work for Sebastian's thing in particular, I'm just talking about different ways we can twist this trope. But, like, what if you had a sword that you, as a physical person, could go into and out of at will? Right, oh, like that's so, an interesting okay. twist. Like you just have this sword that is nearby that you can hide in sometimes. Oh, or... I'm,
1: I'm going night night into my sword. <laughs> <laughs> time for a nap.
0: Like, yeah, maybe it's more comfy in there or something oh, like so that. Like
1: a, like a sword pyre, like a sword pyre. Like exactly, or like
0: you know any object. We could even twist this out into like something that you could hide, like an inanimate thing that you could like oh, stash Chris, yourself just, into.
1: Chris, we just accidentally made page master again. We're going to <laughs> hide in books. I every single time. That. I fucking love that movie as a kid. <laughs> I haven't seen it since I was like 6. <laughs> so who knows. How okay, it but that up, that but... doesn't
0: Pagemaster involve you going into the world of the book?
1: Yeah, and sometimes it's fucking terrifying. Yeah.
0: For me, this is just like you're just in the object, like you're still in our world and you oh, can I guess see out of the book or sword or vibrator or whatever you're trapped in, oh, but That's great. That's great. I guess I would want to be trapped in something that would be like mobile on its own, perhaps a toy car or
1: so okay, this is how we get ghosts, Chris. This is why people think ghosts are real because we got people hanging out in toy cars.
0: I guess, you know, yeah, we've solved we've solved the problem. <laughs> we've so,
1: solved the ghost problem. Uh yeah, I mean I also I I had trouble with the names. I actually I really liked Bach, but then the fact that his brother was named Sebastian kind of ruined it for me. And the girls in the group just I I couldn't get on board. Maybe Drepthy maybe Dret Drethy is kind of if you say it that way, I'm like, Oh maybe. But I don't know. Dark Lord Noxian, like how fucking paint by numbers fantasy are we getting here? Like This is
0: very personal taste, I feel. Like Like, how do you know there's no rule set for coming up with fantasy names, although I have to say I think there was attempts at, you know, having certain kinds of syllables being used for certain cultures or I suppose species or races. I don't know how we're dividing this up here. Like Dg Deidre and Dretfi having a D and an E in their names, I, but you can't spool that out to everyone in that culture being having a D and an E in their e. name, right? Yes. And I think maybe Tisalda and Aristesfa were supposed to be of similar uh, nature or something like that. So it's coming down to like similar lettering happen Like there's a similar consonant involved or a, you know a vowel or something happening in there the mouthfeel just doesn't work for me on all these names it's like a couple too many consonants to chew on or
1: yeah yeah they don't really they don't really i'm
0: like, oh i'm tasting notes <sighs> yeah. of just like too many s in there it's just not for me i prefer a drier fantasy name
1: yeah it doesn't it there's definitely something Something about the mouthfeel that's not... It doesn't come out of your mouth naturally. It's almost like you're, you know, you're, like, dribbling fantasy phonemes <laughs> or something. Like, I... I don't know. But, but then you have, right, like, I'm just not...
0: Bach and Sebastian and Chad. Like, right? Like, I get that that yeah. maybe that's supposed to be a little bit silly on purpose, but, like, I just don't like it when you're blending stuff like that, even I if mean, it's remember, trying to be funny.
1: <laughs> remember fucking, uh... Suburban Kalen and... And, like, what was it? Kalen and Richard. Kawan and Richard. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, Dark Lord, like, Rawl or what? Fuck. I don't remember. But they also had that, like, classic normal name, weird name thing. And it just didn't yes. really work. It was kind of, uh, it just, sit right
0: i don't think we have any advice here though right like you like
1: well i think just experiment with the words coming out of your fucking mouth and have some other people also say them and then decide if they feel weird
0: like maybe they didn't feel weird for all the people maybe but like i yeah so i don't this chalk this one up to personal taste i would guess like this is not our flavor i prefer a milder Mm -hmm. fantasy name
1: yeah, I think I think your point of at least making sure there's some consistency in, you know, based on if uh, characters are from the same region or maybe the same ethnicity or culture or something that makes some sense, but it's pretty difficult to, you know, create your own naming conventions that feel real um, in something that's totally made up. It is difficult, not saying it's easy, but that is something that always sticks with me in books. Uh, The last couple things just have sort of some weird shit that stuck with me. These are just sort of a a grab bag of weird things that kind of made me go, I don't know. There is a line where it says, Damn, there's a whore somewhere. Pissed at her makeup being stolen. And I mean, I guess if you want that character to be like a mean girl, sure. But can we not? Especially since that character never displays that sort of behavior again
0: agree it felt very it, out of place
1: yeah it felt really like that that line can just be struck the public humiliation stripping hose down of an 18 year old at the end was pretty creepy chris I yeah, I died, my
0: eyebrows that. raised at that moment i think that like there's like this joke trope i've seen before of like you know demanding like like putting someone in a scenario where you get to say now strip and that's supposed to be like oh, oh no i have to be naked it's fine how yeah, awkward but when, you have a bu- when you have a bunch of like
1: <clears> 30 something year old characters saying now strip to an 18 year old girl
0: yeah you know, i <laughs> get that she, that's because kinda... she was filthy because she was in the forest for like weeks at a time but like that just like using it that way you could have just made a joke about how she smelled really bad and you're, like you need to get in that fucking shower right now or like
1: yeah, I just thought the way that... And again, I, I do want to specify that. It didn't do any... You know, we didn't get any sort of gratuitous details or anything like that. It yes. wasn't pornographic no, at all. I don't, don't want to make anyone it's think literally that. literally just...
0: But... I think it was just the fact that there was strip, period, and that's it. In that very declarative fashion was just a little bit...
1: <laughs> well, and they all kind of focused on, like, oh, I really made her learn her lesson, and sorry, we should probably... Explain a little bit here that like teenage witch Vervaria. V- 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 what the fuck
0: was her name? Valavera, which does Val-a-vera. kind of sound Aloe-a-vera. like something you find at <laughs> in the CVS, like in the skincare.
1: Yeah, Valavera. It's vaseline and aloe vera. If I use some right
0: now, I'm pretty sunburned.
1: Oh yeah, you did get sunburned. Um. So anyway, a- aloe vera, the teenage witch. She is like she went off and like joined a cult instead of sticking to school, and she thought she could. Learn these cool powers from this cult, but of course the cult just like abandons her, and then she's in the woods trying to like Paris. Get the craft how how much do you have
0: to suck for the cult to abandon you?
1: Yeah, that's a great fucking <laughs> question.
0: <laughs> for the cult that needs members to indoctrinate, to be like, F- not this one. Like,
1: yeah, no thanks. Uh, so anyway, she's by herself, <laughs> trying to develop her powers, and you know the group comes upon her. Uh, of course, then they explain, you know, it was actually this whole overarching plan by her parents to to just hope that they would end up hiring the team with, was it Aristespa was like her relative or something? Yes. You know, anyway, that that whole part doesn't really, whatever. So they, they figure out the disturbance is actually her and, you know, they take her down a peg and they're like, oh, you've been living in the jungle, like, you're so gross, you can't get in the car until you're... At least hose down, right? Was the whole thing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but yeah, just the. I, don't know, I just thought it was weird that they were like strip. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you just say here wash off? We'll all turn around, but instead, all the women still watch her do it, which I thought was fucking weird. Like they made a the the author made a point to say that the, the male characters kind of turn around and go away, but it's like, why? I just I oh man, this whole thing with aloe vera, the teenage, Witch, <laughs> just didn't feel like it fit in with anything so
0: just mild sidebar here this character specifically was the one where i felt like her cursing was put in there to make her feel uh, like trying to be extra cool and maybe that's her character too it. i just wasn't picking up on that but like a lot of her dialogue in particular especially when they were like you know uh she was trying to be scary at them and then like bach was setting the forest fire the way she talked was not in line with the quality of the dialogue previously, let's say, be- yeah. because well, of I her mean, cursing. I
1: and mean, she is, you know, a rebellious teenager. So to me, that kind of fits with that character. But anyway, I'm guessing that this was added because this character must come back later. But it did feel a little kind of just it just kind of felt pointless here. Um, let's see. Chapter 10 felt like the ending to a sitcom season, but then the story just continues for three more chapters. And oh boy, was I sad because (laughs) I thought it was only 10 chapters and I was really not feeling well. Um, And I was really having a hard time finishing it. I literally fell asleep on the couch twice for hours at a time. And Chris and I were supposed to record. And I was like, dude, I feel I'm so foggy. I keep falling asleep. I can't do this. And we had to reschedule. I was just feeling terrible. And so anyway, I finally I'm like the next day I sleep I get up I'm like oh it's still a little foggy but I'm okay I can I can do this and I'm like trudging along I'm like all right chapter eight chapter nine chapter 10 on the shirt and the then- comfy
0: shorts were there I get it cool <laughs> keep going popcorn distributed <laughs> yeah.
1: and then I get to chapter 10 and there's the next button and I go what <laughs> no no and then i realized i sold three what
0: about what sodas race? they had and where did they put the sodas paris
1: <laughs> yes critical information so i was bummed because i i don't know i thought i thought i was uh gonna be done and i wasn't last two minor things why is Otalia always swaying her hips when she's thinking who does that she's the
0: romantic interest character for bach is why
1: all oh, right right. Lastly, black tea with a shot of thick coffee. What is thick coffee? Is <laughs>
0: coffee thick be coffee? thick? It's uh, my kind of co- I like my women like I like my coffee thick.
1: <laughs> what is thick coffee? Does anyone know? Anyone?
0: I guess it, it there's that like thickener you can buy to put into liquids. It's like it's like called Thicket or something perhaps.
1: What are you fucking talking about? You didn't about, know
0: about Chris? this? Look this up actually. Yeah.
1: Do you just mean cornstarch?
0: I don't know exactly what it is in there, but it's a product called Thicket, which you put into liquids <laughs> to make it thick. No,
1: there's no way. Did someone just rebrand cornstarch? It now probably is just
0: cornstarch, to be honest with you. This like, is, there's no way it's doing. not just that. I saw Paris, it on a Strange Aeons video, actually, when we were looking up the Nathan Madsbury thing. One of my YouTube suggestions turned out to be like, uh, like her going, like, I thickened up all this all these different beverages so i had to watch because she made thick wine so i wanted to know what that was like
1: no (laughs) oh yeah okay yeah it's either cornstarch or xanthan gum based i guess this thicket particularly is made to help people who have a condition where they can't swallow i don't know why making it thicker would help i am very confused
0: i'm sure there's a a good reason for that and the people that have this issue are very happy that this exists
1: yeah that's totally fine i mean you can also just put some metamucil in there you know but like back to our
0: point about (laughs) in this sentence black tea with a shot of thick coffee do you mean like the shot is particular like there's a lot of the shot so the 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 Mm. shot is thick throughout the tea also, can can I say having made cough tea accidentally many times? Oh, it ain't nice. <laughs> no. Cough it tea cough is a curse.
1: Cough tea sucks. Oh, the only good form of cough tea is a uh, is chai with espresso in it. That's great, but that's a very but just like kind your plain old
0: tea. like uh, English breakfast that you accidentally put oh. through the co- like you know coffee grounds or something.
1: God, I've done that too. It's the fucking worst. It's
0: heinous. <laughs>
1: It's like, and the worst thing about it is like the flavors don't combine. They're no, just fighting for supremacy in your mouth, and it's
0: and terrible. even as like a caffeine addict, like someone that is totally willing to drink. I have drank three day old coffee, Paris, oh, Chris, just that's for, for just you. for the drugs in it.
1: Chris, do you understand the the timeline of bacteria? Do you? Do we need it's to? It's coffee. This?
0: It's fine. Yeah, but you
1: had your mouth on it.
0: Whatever, I'm fine. I'm sitting air. here. I'm sitting here right now doing a okay. <laughs> My point being is that even a fiend such as I cannot stand the cough tea.
1: Are you perhaps a caffeine?
0: Yes, oh. indeed I am.
1: All right, I, I should, I'm probably going to go to jail for that. Oh God!
0: <laughs> here they come, Paris! Oh. quick! Can we fix no! it?
1: You can't. Take- um, okay, so fur, can yeah, we? Yeah, what do you, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, can we fix it?
0: <sighs> um, I I just need a lot more seasoning on this, a lot more seasoning on this. The matter of fact, the matter of fact prose rarely tosses me a simile or a metaphor or some kind of description I can sink my teeth into. Barely a scrap of nuanced description to be had. If you're doing Slice of Life, I need, like, a ton of reasons why the way someone puts on a shirt is simmering with emotional flavors. Perhaps the shirt is full of holes from previous adventures, or it smells like the room the person grew up in, or the particular method for shirt donning was taught to him by his old putting-on-a-shirt sensei. (laughs) I want those, like unintroduced neurons in my brain to meet. I've talked about this before. I like it when, like, two parts of my brain that haven't connected before mm. meet up and have that little yeah. meet cute. And I that I just got none of that here.
1: Yeah, same. Yeah, uh, for me, this is this is just, I mean, another one that's not for me, though. I think, you know, I'm starting in a place where this is already not for me on a few different levels. You know, I'm not into slice of life anime. I'm not into web series. I'm not into Heroes Journey RPG stuff. So yeah I mean I'm just beyond tired of paint by number Heroes Journey stories because they are predictable and predictability just isn't fun for me. I recognize that other people find it comforting but to me it's it's a chore. In terms of flavor if this had more of a Mad Max sauce on it and less of like the cartoon anime glaze I think I'd be more into it. Uh, In terms of substance and plot, I think I just don't really like slice-of-life stuff, honestly. I do not give a shit about someone changing their shirt and sitting on a bed or the order and toppings of popcorn buckets. This is just extremely uninteresting to me, but my best guess is that some people must feel this makes a story and its characters more relatable. Like, oh, hey, I eat popcorn and also change my shirt and sit on bed, so go main character guy or something. But that just doesn't work for me. Uh, And, of course, this is different from... You know, describing little moments in life that have greater meaning, uh, which I think um, still life with monkey actually did really well because you have a guy who becomes paralyzed in various ways. And so describing little pieces of life obviously carries great, much greater weight. Um, And yeah, I don't know. We're just not getting anything like that here. It's. Yeah, sorry. It's just not for me, I think it's not for me.
0: Thank you to our patrons, Dari, Greg. Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senya, Yakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Lucek, Miri, Yanka, David, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Crimson Paladin, Beast with the least, Scott H. Robin, Laxdodies, Of the Void, The Taco Eating Unicorn, Last Man on Earth 01, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Selena, and our Kofi donor Kiwi thing. Special thanks to Brian for submitting Ana hero for us to read. Uh, thank you for your longstanding patronage and just being generally communicative with us and interacting. And we hope our review was helpful.
1: Um, extra special thank you this episode to Beast with the Least of the Void, the Taco Eating Unicorn, and Perry for taking a bunch of old, terrible books off of our hands so I didn't have to move them to my new apartment or to Chris's house. And thank you to Chris for taking the bulk of the Sword of Truth collection
0: i had to rescue them i don't th- i you know i'm loath to say we're gonna read those anytime soon because boy is the page count just too high for us at this point but i just couldn't i just wanted to have them in case and i felt like Teriblo asked me to do it that day actually when i took them a, a mm. bunch of good things happened and i feel like i was blessed by our dark lord <laughs> for that True, so fun. I I'm just, I, I wanted to have them on hand in case. Don't expect them to come up anytime soon, though. Like, it's a very special occasion where that will happen.
1: Yeah, I could see some kind of, like, I don't know, 10-year anniversary bust bus went out or something. But um, on that note, please continue to relieve me of books and contact us if you want free terrible books shipped to you. Again, for free, free books shipped to you for free, please. I'm begging you, my bookshelf is so sick. Please, God, <laughs> so my uh yeah, my bookshelf has more books on it now, it is full it is it is twice or thrice stuffed in many of the cubes it it needs room to breathe, please help <laughs> my sick bookshelf <laughs> seriously we've we've sent boxes of books to people for free. I get discounted shipping uh so it's really not a lift for us to spend a few bucks to send you a bunch of books that we really don't want in our homes, especially mine because I have too many books.
0: you know what? why don't I just Say some of the books that are available, since oh. I, I have this picture.
1: Oh yeah, go right, go right ahead.
0: You too can be the owner of such works like "Do What Matters Most," "The Book of Adonatology," oh, "Lord God, Ify no, Boat Race, "Killer Chef," "Dark Star," "The Haunted Vagina," "Flashback" by Dan Simmons, "Ho Tactics." You could get "Ho Tactics." You could have "Swamplandia." You could have Final Fantasy 7 on the way to a smile. You could have Museum of the Living Dead. You could have Emblem Unity or Pinkle Jinxed or the Wild Big Book of f- Fabulous Fun-Filled ho- Celebrations and Holiday Crafts. That was a long <laughs> title. There's Murder, <laughs> Gone Ride. There's the Maze book. Come on, man. There's all the,
1: ones, all the ones that are in my house, which are, um, let's see. I've got, I've got the first three sort of truth books. Um, I've got... Oh, I've got the Trump book. Um, I've got uh, the bird tits book. I
0: think it's <laughs> okay, well, I'm, that's, I
1: can't, that's not I a can't, really great
0: description of what that book. My,
1: my eyesight's so bad that I can only distinguish them by like their general shape and color and pattern, and so I'm struggling a little bit.
0: To be clear, if you asked for the bird tits book, it's probably not what you're thinking. If you haven't no, listened to the episode, Audubon's it was, watch.
1: Yeah, it was Audubon's watch. Thank you. It came to it came back to me. <laughs> oh,
0: God. All right, Paris, we've made it through yet another hero's journey. Um are you are you changed? Are you leveled up? Powered up? How are you feeling?
1: I'm uh really ready to launch into spooky season and I think we've got some good spooky selections I agree. Uh, for this It is time. This fall.
0: It is time for the spooks.
1: Spookening. Um I mean, personally, I think year-round a spooky time, I actually feel that September through February is pretty much fair game for spooks, but I know the rest of the world just wants to shove it all into October, but I don't know. I think we get a couple good ones in October, Mm -hmm. and then maybe... I forget what the schedule looks like in the the deep fall (laughs) in November.
0: (laughs) Well, we'll all find out together, won't we, as we go on this journey together to defeat the Dark Lord... Uh, Tariblo. well, no, he's our well. Mm, hmm. That's true. No, we don't. Okay, we're we we're a little Tariblo. mixed up on here. Yeah, that's so. Um, we're the minions, is really what this is.
1: Oh my god. We're the
0: two comedic relief henchmen, <sighs> is what this is, Paris.
1: Oh god, we're like fucking zip and zap. Jesus Christ. I think it's Vip and Vap. Oh. If you're
0: thinking Disenchantment.
1: Oh, Vip and Vap. No, wait. What? What are the other ones? No, who are we, Chris? Who are we? <laughs> what's the what's the one uh oh pain and panic,
0: <laughs> oh, that's completely different,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh who's pain yeah, anyway. and who's panic? I don't know,
0: we could i maybe we're interchangeable, it could be either or i I would say
1: yeah, uh, I don't know, I damn it, have we done this for this many years just to be minions
0: I mean we, we,
1: that would be the cruel joke at the end, wouldn't it yes,
0: it would be it would well. Here we are, oh. s- signing off for our Dark Lord once again. Bye. All
1: right, well. Bye, Paris. What? <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to go to bed. Uh, farewell. Goodbye, Chris. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts, Paris and Chris. Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash club. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com/terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos send an email, theterriblebookclub at gmail.com.